So, Pete, what are we talking about today? Oh, I'm so hungry, Kev. I'm so hungry I could just eat your flesh. Oh, no. Now it looks like I'll have to power walk in the opposite direction to get away from you. Nope, nope. Hey, slow down. Come back. Nope. Sorry. I am going moderately faster than the average 80-year-old. I will get Too you eventually. You. you gotta sleep sometime. See you. Now. Welcome to Fearless Films. Fearless Films is a podcast where a horror movie buff, that's me, breaks down the scary movies for the scaredy cats. That's me! So they don't have to watch the movie. Uh, we've been making these jokes, I've been making this joke for over and over again, so I can't pretend that I don't know what movie we're talking about. Because it's the movie where the slowest monsters in existence somehow corner and mutilate people in a supposedly scary fashion. Kev, it's, I keep telling you, it's the numbers game. It doesn't matter how slow they are. If there's a thousand of them, they're a threat. They're, they're, this is a big planet, Pete. There's lots of open space. Have you seen Iowa? Yeah, but you know what this planet's full of? People. Dumb people who get sick and don't acknowledge it or pretend it's not real, and then they're zombies. That wouldn't happen in real life. That's just dumb Hollywood stuff. Kev, I think your microphone burst into flames from the sarcasm. <laughs> oh, everything hurts. Let's talk about the fantasy for a while. <laughs> well, in that case, we're going to be talking about the 1968 film Night of the Living Dead. As opposed to dawn or something or, or week or day or semester of the living dead or whatever. There's a billion of these. There's more of the living dead movies than there are actual undead zombies in these movies. All right, fair. I'm not going to disagree with that <laughs> statement. Uh, but this was the granddaddy of them all. This was what popularized and basically created the modern idea of what a zombie is. So this is the first zombie movie? It's not the first zombie movie. I didn't say that. <laughs> it uh, sounded a lot like you were getting to that. No, no, no. I said modern idea of what a zombie is. Zombies originated in Haitian voodoo culture, and that's mostly just mind-controlled people. This is dead bodies that get back up and start eating flesh. So for zombies funsies. as we know them, this is the first one of the movies that have like flesh-eating kind of come back to life from the dead zombies. As far as I can reckon, yes. Man, you are couching so many of your statements. I thought you were an expert, Pete. It's right there in the intro. <laughs> Listen, Kev, all I know is that I don't know everything. Oh, wow, that's very wise of you. It is, and it gets me out of so much trouble. So Cesar Romero made this? The Joker from Batman 66? <laughs> and I, uh, you said something, and it sounded kind of like that name, but I wasn't really paying attention. George A. Romero. That's, yeah, that's about the same. Same no, person. No relation, as far as I can tell. Later on, he went to act as the Joker. Nope. Or earlier on? Well, that statement, yeah, that works. Okay. Um, important to note, Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968, but it is in black and white instead of color because that was cheaper to do. They ran out of green makeup, so they're just like, eh, black and white. <laughs> A lot of people think the movie is older than it actually is, even though it, it, by this point it's very old already. It's because of the black and white. I naturally assume if anything I see in black and white, it's like the 30s. Yeah, right? 
but no, it's uh, on the cusp of the 1970s and um, very bold for its time period because it features an African-American lead. Yeah, we got over that real quick. We haven't started doing that again until like the 2019s. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay, but why... You said this is the first real this zombie. Why... How did... So Romero... Um, Cesar Romero made the modern zombie. How did he do that? Like, why? Where did he come up with this? Does he have? Did did we ever find out where he was just like, Mom? What about dead people? What do they eat? Well, that's interesting. So, like many stories, the first draft of this was more of a horror comedy, <laughs> which is really? really the exact opposite of what it ended up being. I think it's it's gone around back around to horror comedy though. There are definitely horror comedy zombie movies. Zomcom rom zoms, if you would please. Oh, God. What was that? <laughs> Say that five times fast. Uh, but no, he drew a lot of inspiration from the Richard Matheson novel, I Am Legend, which if you've seen the Will Smith movie of that title, you should understand that that has basically nothing to do with the book it's based on. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he fully acknowledges in a quote from Romero, I had written a short story, which I basically had ripped off from Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. And it just sort of developed it from there. Oh, okay. So uh, this started like all great works of cinema and most literary works with plagiarism. Yes, exactly. He liked the idea of the story of a person or a small group of people trapped in a normal looking home by creatures that are unreal but look human okay so it's a home this time and not a mall yeah it started small and got bigger because that's did how he make work. the mall one yeah he did okay so tell me about this movie what's uh t- i don't know just tell me about it all right so starting off we're introduced to adult siblings barbara and johnny and they are driving to a cemetery in rural Pennsylvania to visit their father's grave. This takes place in Pennsylvania and they still got cornered? Yes. I mean, Pennsylvania is one of those states where it's like, look, there's space. Look at all that space. Yeah, but what do people do when they're scared, Kev? They run to shelter. I just jog in open fields. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at the cemetery and... Very, very realistic sibling relationship because the whole scene is just Johnny badgering and scaring Barbara, who's creeped out being in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like that sounds like what I would do. Is yeah. he the younger sibling? I would I choose to believe so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he's just like spooking her and he's like, they're coming to get you, Barbara. If you've ever heard that sound bite, that's what it's from. That's funny because why would he make that joke? Because the dead coming alive and eating people had wasn't a thing by that point. This movie well, they, made it a thing. They saw a dude like they see in the distance. There's this dude walking around, and he's just like, "Ooh, maybe that guy's trying to hunt you down." Like he's just being like a doof. <laughs> and but then that dude actually does come at them and attacks Johnny. Oh well, in the graveyard just right now. Yep, dude Fun. just like. Uh, uh, grabs him, is trying to bite at him and stuff, and then they they topple over, and Johnny cracks his head on a tombstone and dies instantly. Okay, come on, movie. That's not not how horror is supposed to work. You're not supposed to just be like, wait, I'm sorry, I sneezed, and suddenly there's a dead person. (laughs) Come on. So Barbara runs in terror, and she 
since she's just in the middle of a cemetery, she just picks a direction and goes. Cuts through some woods, sees a house, like a farmhouse, runs up to it to take shelter because this dude is just following her, like moaning and being strange. Um, there's a name for that. Not moaning and being strange. That's, that's, there's I'm, a whole other side of no, names for that. Yeah, that's something where else. Somebody co- where you introduce to one person and their whole thing is they just die. In the first, like, couple minutes of the film. Oh, I get where you're saying, yeah, you know, like, where it's like, oh, these are our two main characters. Nope, sorry, no, they aren't. <laughs> that's a phrase, isn't it? That's a thing? Um, I don't know if that's specifically referred to something. I mean, it's like the old bait-and-switch. I don't know. <laughs> we should know more of this, and actually, if we were better podcasters, we would look that up and then edit all this out so that it sounds like we know things, but I think it's too late for that now. I think so, yeah. I'm just gonna <laughs> keep going. So uh, she enters this house and finds the woman who lived there dead and apparently half eaten. So more terror, more fear. Can't we get back um, to the car now? Can we just go back to the car? Oh, there's a whole thing with she tries to get away in the car and just hits a tree. Or so. It's a whole thing. I just <laughs> I'm skirting over that because it's not important yet. OK, so she tried to escape before she went to the house. Yeah. And then okay, had to flee she- on foot. She's not as dumb as I thought we were. As she well, was. see, here's um, the thing. This movie is a classic, and there's many, many good things to say about it. But the one thing that will always bug me about this movie is that the female lead spends the entirety of the runtime in a catatonic state of fear. I mean, like, maybe that's just the realistic reaction. Like, it, okay, nope, never nope, seen... okay. nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying like some people just do not handle terror well and they just freeze up. I'm not saying that women in particular do or anything. <laughs> I'm just saying that some people do. So maybe they were just trying to be like, Romero was like, hey, some people are really bad at handling fear. This is one of them. I happen to decide to make my movie center around. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what happens is she's in this house and she sees more people sur- starting to show up and surround the place. And fortunately for her, this guy named Ben just pops out of nowhere uh, and and is like, hey, what's going on out there? Are you okay? Like, we got to board this place up. Those things are coming. And she's just, you know, like babbling incoherently in his face. He's like, all right, I'm going to do those things. I just said, (laughs) you stay here, strange woman. So he like board starts boarding up the windows and pushing furniture in front of the guy over there with the clipboard said we need to move the plot forward. So here I am. (laughs) And he uh, he finds like a, a lever action rifle and starts taking shots at the things outside, but doesn't seem to be killing them. <laughs> he doesn't care that they might just be like people who are sick or people in desperate need. He doesn't ask questions. Johnny just shoots. Well, you know, here's the important thing. No, this is Ben. Johnny's dead. Remember, here's the important thing, Kev. Ben is an African-American man and there's a horde of white people outside trying to get to him. So He's like, I've been here. I know yeah. what this is. I'm not really going to judge his choices right now. <laughs> That's fair. He manages to get them relatively safe pretty quickly and is trying to get information out of this woman, Barbara, but she is just is no continuously help. just hysterical. Yeah. He talks about how like, he was attacked out on the road. He doesn't know what's going on. He's pretty sure that whatever these things are, they're afraid of fire. I've done some basic scientific research. Nothing like too extreme, but you know, the the blind studies and everything. 
Yeah, but as far as both of them are aware right now, they don't know what the fuck is going on. Just a bunch of people started going crazy all of a sudden. So, to their surprise, because this was apparently, like, the Camelot of random houses in the countryside, they discovered that there's a bunch of people hiding in the basement. That is a great descriptor of that. <laughs> they, uh, they find that they're... going to go to each 26th Dane Street, because, you know... That's where you go when zombies attack. Apparently, this is where everyone ended up. In the basement, they find married couple Harry and Helen Cooper, uh, who have their daughter with them, but who is injured and resting in the basement. And they also find a teenage couple, Tom and Judy. Now, is this teenager a werewolf? No, we're decades before that, Kev. Is this teenager in a wasteland by any chance i'll give you that one yeah you can describe this as a wasteland all right the coopers talk about how they found shelter at this house when they were driving in their car and these crazy people like swarmed them and flipped the car over wow yeah they say their daughter was bit by one of these nut bags and she's not doing well but they they're keeping her resting downstairs yep They definitely haven't seen a horror movie before. The teenage couple is like, we heard an emergency broadcast about, you know, (laughs) killing. Go to this street. We just fled, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) This is the safe house, the town safe house. You didn't know? Boy, are you lucky you came in here, random lady. So the following scenes are very much the birth of a lot of horror tropes. You're going to appreciate this, Kev. Ben and. Tom, the so the African-American guy and the teenager are like, all right, let's work together. We're going to board this house up, make it secure and everything. Harry, however, the married guy is like, this is dumb. Why are we listening to this guy? We should run for it. Nothing's safe. Ah, I'm not going to help. <laughs> I pretty much just summed up his entire character for this That's movie. It. That's it. <laughs> We're not really going to spend a lot of time talking about the depth of these characters, are we, Pete? Not all of them. Some of them, yes, but not all of them. Uh, But yeah, Harry isn't... It even gets down to the fact that Harry and Ben argue over what would be safer, retreating to the basement or the second floor, and they can't even agree on that. Wow. So, yeah. like it. See, the thing is, what's funny is it never comes up that, like, Harry's a racist or anything. They literally just argue philosophical points. He's not a racist. He just happens to disagree with the leadership and every idea of this black man. That's not, you know, you know. That's fine. <laughs> he continues to just not be a help. Uh, the ghouls. Oh, that's an important point, too. So are there are ghouls in this movie. No, here's the thing. How many in horror the, things are there in the script for the Night of the Living Dead? The word zombie isn't actually used. They're referred to as ghouls. Oh, well, yeah, because yeah, zombies aren't a thing yet. Apparently, but they became a thing because of this movie. It's very strange, isn't it? But zombies were already a thing in just a very different thing in Latin America. Uh, in uh, in ha- Haiti. Haiti, Haiti. I don't know why I was thinking Latin America. Are you thinking of the Day of the Dead? Sure, why not? Which is also the title of a horror movie. <laughs> of course it is! Anything of the dead! <laughs> All things of the dead! So yeah, they... They basically just see if they can wait it out for now. So they listen to the radio in the meantime, looking for information. And there is various scenes of this movie. It's just like, we're going to listen to the radio now and get updates about what's going on. You guys aren't doing anything else. 
This is world building 101, all right? They didn't even think this was going to be a franchise and they're already world building. So they hear about reports of mass murders being uh, committed all across the East Coast of the U.S. But wait, hold on. I thought they were in Pennsylvania. Yes. Then why are there mass murders? Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> nobody, nobody cares for that joke if they're from outside Massachusetts, Kevin. <laughs> Luckily, we're based in Massachusetts and most of our fan base is in Massachusetts. Yeah, but they hate you too. That is true. So what we learn from these radio broadcasts is that the ghouls are reanimated corpses. You will reanimate no matter how you die. If you're bitten. Uh, yeah, bitten or not. If just you're dead, you'll come back for whatever reason. Oh, wait a minute. In this movie, it doesn't matter? Like, you, you yeah, just it doesn't die matter. Yeah. yeah. It's like in the and air. They eat flesh. They seem to just want to kill people and then eat them. That seems to be their only goal and motivation. Pretty, uh, pretty one-dimensional, guys. Well, it's it's enough. All we right. Talk to them about their motives. And it's determined that they can be killed by destroying the brain. Basically, a heavy blow to the head or a gunshot to the head will kill them permanently. So basically, all the things that I know about zombies came from this movie. Uh, exactly. And as was kind of common with the early Romero films, but like any modern zombie film dropped this off completely. The world doesn't just end immediately. Like, the radio's like, there are various rescue centers you can go to for refuge and safety. There are mobs going around with the lo local law enforcement clearing out these ghouls, and we'll just have to wait and see how long this will take. Like, never at any point in this movie is it like, the world is doomed. It's, all right, we got to ride this out, everyone, and work together, and we'll be done by the end of the week. <laughs> we'll all be back to normal by Christmas. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And then there's like one quick thing where a scientist theorizes that the reanimations are occurring because of radiation being dropped on the Earth from a space probe that exploded in atmosphere on its way back from Venus. Oh, which is these loved radiations. That is the most mid 1900s like sci-fi explanation yep. you I have ever heard for anything. Radiation from Venus. Ah, the space probe. <laughs> When we all know that space radiation just kills you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I, You know, kind of going back, you keep on saying that these corpses are reanimated. I kind of want to see a horror movie where the zombies are just animated. Like cartoons? I, I mean, it, it seems to fit. Oh, reanimated, animated, you know. Let's so, who framed the living dead? <laughs> is what I, you're saying. I'd watch it. All right, so uh, after a while of being like, well, these ghouls aren't going anywhere. We probably should do something now. <laughs> ben divided. They were a lot more relaxed back in the 60s. They were, you know? Everyone just sat around discussing what their plans were as if it were some sort of stage play. Ben comes up with a plan. He's like, all right, well, the, the, that little girl downstairs is, is hurt. We should get her medical supplies because the parents are saying she doesn't look well. So he's like... The radio said there's a rescue center not super far away. So what we can do is if we can just get to my truck and refuel it at a nearby fuel pump, then we can go to this refuge center, get help, and come back. Why does nobody have fuel in these movies? I mean, that was the easiest go-to back in this time period where it's like, how do people get in danger? Oh, we ran out of fuel. 
these days it's a lot harder because you got to account for fuel, internet, electricity. Like, how the hell did they get as so stranded? It's really easy to be in touch nowadays. <laughs> so Ben is like, "All right, me and Tom, the teenager, we're gonna go and do this." And I think Ben said, "Tom and I." He probably did. He's a well-spoken man. Uh, (laughs) And at the last second, Tom's girlfriend, uh, Judy, is like, no, I'm going to come too, which everyone's like, just stay here. It'll be fine. But she's like, I'm not going to leave my man behind. I'm going to come too because we need some fodder for this horror movie. (laughs) So they get to the truck. They get it to the gas pump. And this is where everything falls apart because Ben's desperately trying to hold off the ghouls while pumping the gas. And one of his torches causes a fire at a gas pump that's never good yeah a bunch of gas spills all over the truck which catches on fire tom and judy try to drive it away um like so everything doesn't explode but they're kind of too late and as they're trying to get out of the truck judy gets caught tom goes back to save her the truck explodes and they both die well she didn't leave her man no she did not All right, so we have our first death, so let's take a break. Woo! Uh, actually, that was our second and third deaths. What? Who died? Oh, Johnny, remember? He cracked his Johnny, on a... Johnny doesn't count. <laughs> Technically, nobody's died because of a zombie yet. No, no, the zombie movie is... V- the zombies are very humane. <laughs> yeah, they killed Johnny quick, and then there was just a gas station ex- accident that took out the other two, so... And Johnny didn't really die via zombie. He, I mean, te- by only the loosest definition of the term did he die via zombie. He died by tripping. Yeah, pretty much. So, I guess murder counts zero so far in this movie, and we'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> do we have movies to talk about, Pete? We do, Kev. Today Ooh. we're going to be announcing our February schedule. No, we're not. Which is always exciting because fe- February is the month of love and relationships. And which happiness. is great for our podcast because we are big fans of that in the horror world. Uh-huh. Such big fans. So first off, we're going to be talking a little J-horror, as they like to call it. I'm sorry, and- who calls it that? What? Uh, the people who make the names of genres. Is is it like Japanese anime horror? Well, no, it's just Japanese horror. Oh, so it is. So J does stand for Japanese at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, great. We're going to be talking about The Ring, which is an American remake of a J-horror film. Well, then it's not really <laughs> J-horror, is it, Pete? Well, I mean, this could have been in consideration for one of our, like, comparison episodes, but I really... Having seen both of them, I really don't think there's a point. It's basically just the same story again. And the ring is, you know, the one that got all the fame over in America. And America is the one is the country that everybody cares about. So we'll talk about that. All right. Well, there goes all of our international audience. Thanks for that, Kev. Do we have any? (laughs) Uh, We do, according to the stats. Well, listen, anybody who's listening internationally will know that all of us Americans are just so full of ourselves that of course we'd say that. So I'm just playing into the character that they're expecting. All right, fair. You've always been a showman, Kev. All right. So we're going to start with the ring, which I'm excited to hear about because that was also one of those of my, I don't know, high school, college days where I was like, what is this movie about? I'm not seeing it, but what the hell is this about? So Um, that'll be nice. 
evil ghost child and haunted no, 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 video tape. now leave it leave it till all right later. Fine, we've got a whole fine. podcast about it okay okay uh after that we'll be discussing a more recent film and the start of a very fun franchise that i enjoy a lot called insidious which is more of a possession haunted house type of situation oh ghosts again the last one i think the last one was very lackluster i don't remember why but we were not i was not thrilled about it no no uh it, this it one was too straightforward they were just like there's some ghosts it was the conjuring that was the last yeah. ghost one we talked about this one is uh, funny enough is from the same people it's from the cr- original creators of saw Ooh, um they made I, a good one i like the insidious franchise more than the conjuring franchise you didn't have a lot of good things to say about the conjuring so no no but insidious is it's fun it's a little wacky at times Ooh, zany yeah but yeah, I'm a big fan. I can't wait to talk about that one with you. I think you'll oh, like Zany Ghosts. After that, it's Valentine's Day. Coming up on Valentine Week. So we will be doing... I thought we'd just keep it simple, Kev. We're going to talk about a movie that's called Valentine. Oh my god. Is there really a movie called Valentine? Yep. And it's a slasher from the early 2000s. Oh no. It's my gift, my gift from me to you, buddy. I know it's your favorite time period for horror. Oh, nothing <laughs> about this spells a good time. Well, you wouldn't be too far off the mark with that <laughs> statement. The only thing worse than a schlocky slasher from the 2000s based around a holly, uh, a holiday is a Stephen King movie. Hey, man, you watch what you say about Stephen King movies. There's a lot of good ones. No, there aren't. I mean, they're good, but that's the, they're too good. They're like, destroy <laughs> your soul and make you rethink about your life and your sanity good. Yeah, this movie is just going to... You're just going to be annoyed because it's just not a good movie. <laughs> Wee! And, but hey, you said the magic words, Kev. What? For the last week of February, we're going to be talking about a Stephen King adaptation. God damn it. <laughs> this one is from the 90s and it is based off of the book misery what oh oh misery cool that sounds like a fun and uplifting time i thought it would be a fitting entry for our february valentine's schedule <laughs> <laughs> no it makes sense you know there's love and romance and if you don't have that then there's misery so that's great yeah, it's about an obsessed fan kidnapping her favorite author and holding him hostage until he writes the book she wants him to write. Wow, Stephen, projecting much? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Oof. All right, well, that's our lineup for February. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or just want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We're Fearless Films Podcast and all those things except for Twitter, which is Fearless Film Pod, because I don't know, that name was taken and we couldn't figure out a clever way to say it. So Fearless Film Pod at on Twitter and Fearless Films Podcast on Facebook, on our Gmail and on Instagram. Uh, look us up. Give us a like. Uh, tell us what you think. We always like to make this better for you, the listener, unless you're international for some reason. I hate them. Uh, I'll just keep making bad jokes about them. So. Uh, hey, if you want to send me a hate mail because you love Japanese horror, then uh, go right ahead. And we're back. All right, Kev. The heat is on. Ben's alone. He's he, he's surrounded by ghouls. Two of his friends just got blown up and friends? totally friends? in an accident that totally wasn't his fault. 
Like friends, though? Like, I mean, acquaintances at best at this point. Listen, they're better than Harry, all right? <laughs> who, who he now has to, he runs back to the house, manages to get there unscathed, and has to break his way back into the house because Harry won't let him in. Because once Are you again, kidding me? originating horror movie tropes, Harry's like, it's too late. We can't, we can't risk ourselves to save him. <laughs> he's like on the other side of the door, pounding on He's like, no, he's too far away. We can't get him. Yeah, so Ben breaks in, literally beats the shit out of Harry. Like, he just pummels him out of frustration. No, here. <laughs> and they reboard up the barricades, and they're like, all right, well, we're going to hang tight until we come up with a new plan, because that didn't work. That one sure as hell failed. Basically, this is like we're winding down in the third act of the movie, and this is when everything breaks down. Not a lot's happened so far, like, like actually, like, activity-wise so far. If this is the third part of the movie, the third act, we're, we should be winding up. And in, in, in 90s movies, 2000s movies, they would have already killed, like, 16 people and a dog. Oh, yeah, I mean, like I said, old-school movie, there's only so many people, and they're going to dish that out over time, or, or kill everyone at once at the end, uh, one or the other. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, like a long, long stretches of the middle of this movie is like them hanging out, listening to the radio broadcasts, or having like philosophical arguments about what they should do and what's going on. Man, really sounds like keeping me on the edge of my seat here, Romero. <laughs> it's a it's a heady movie. It's very different than what comes uh, after it in terms of the zombie genre. So. Eventually, the ghouls like there's so many of them that they finally start breaking through the barricades because they're hold like they're just like banging on the walls and trying to reach in and tearing at stuff. So the the ghouls break in, everything just devolves into chaos. Ben's just shooting at anything that comes near him with his rifle, ends up hitting <laughs> Harry. I don't think it was an accidental, and I don't blame him. <laughs> well, Harry gets injured, so he literally runs to the basement and locks himself in, trapping everyone else upstairs. Isn't, isn't Harry's family up there? Yep. Harry's kind of a dick. His wife's up there, who he'd been arguing with as well. His daughter's downstairs, but guess what? She's a zombie. Hey, yep, has since become a zombie and eats him. Fair. Which is, I mean, that's just a fate for horror movie assholes we've seen repeated Ever since this movie in 1968. It's the only good trope that I'm really loving from this whole franchise here. <laughs> so he's dead. Afterwards, Helen, his wife, does manage to get the door open and she retreats to the basement where... Awful to get eaten. Yeah, well, no. See, here's the interesting thing about Romero zombies. The daughter's waiting for her and she's like confused. She's like, what? You're, you, you're standing up. You're fine. The daughter then picks up a trowel and stabs her mother to death with it. <laughs> so the Romero zombies are like Jason. They're like, let's be creative with the way we kill people. Well, that's the interesting thing. They The Romero zombies use tools and shit. Like, there's an earlier scene in the movie where um, one of the zombies, like, picks up a brick and throws it at a car that someone's in. Okay. Like, they retain some bits of humanity. They don't just, like, walk around trying to bite you. It's interesting, and it's very interesting that, like, modern zombie stuff, like, ignores that completely. It's just, like, mindless things that just bite you. Well, I mean, I would think, considering they move so slowly, like, what else? You gotta give them tool-wielding capabilities. <laughs> yeah, you gotta give them something. 
meanwhile, upstairs, Barbara, you know, you know, the woman who's done nothing this entire movie, but she probably screamed. She is trying to escape. She's trying to get out of there, but she gets surrounded by the ghouls and cool, including the undead form of her brother. And the all the, right, she's he's back now. The she basically gets pulled into the mass of them and devoured. Just they're like, all right, we're not doing anything with her anymore. Yeah. Ben manages to get through the horde. He gets into the basement himself, locks the door, and has to kill... Is everybody just going to the basement now? Pretty much. And he takes care of the family down there so, you know, they don't zombify on him. And he rides out the rest of the night alone in the basement. It's only him left, right? Yeah. I think there'd be at least the final... Like, I thought it'd be the main girl and Ben. Nope, just Ben. So we cut to the next morning and Ben wakes up because he hears sirens approaching and we, the audience, are shown that like there's a a posse of like locals and law enforcement coming to clear out the area. So they're just like, they they come upon the house, they see the, the group of zombies and they just start shooting. Ben, when it starts winding down, he comes upstairs and he peeks his head out one of the windows and... Honest to God, one of the sheriffs is just like, look, there's another one. And they fucking shoot him dead. What? And that is the end of the movie. That's how the movie ends? Yup. <laughs> what the hell, man? Romero's kind of bleak, Kev. He's a jerk. Also, I think <laughs> I remember he hates capitalism or something. Uh, Commercialism. Yeah. I mean, capitalism. Is all, he, the, the mall one is where he really talked about that. He had views. He did. <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, Night of the Living Dead. Stupid movie. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like that ending. Well, yeah. <laughs> Anything that's like, hey, all those uh, things, those hopes, those aspirations you were looking for? Nope. Yep, yep, yep. No hope. Everyone dies. Well, I mean, like, the world survives, but everyone we were following dies. Oh, well, that's fine then, right? Yeah. Wow, what a what a downer of an ending. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't that just kind of messed up? I thought that was like a newer trend in like horror movies where like the world is bleak and so should you be. But I guess not. I guess that's just <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it's uh I mean like what like I said though, the world survives. That's nice. Yay! <laughs> Cause I was following the world. I was rooting for the world there. Good job, the world. I'm sorry, buddy. All right, so why don't we talk about a little bit more of the history and the behind the scenes of this movie, because it's fascinating. Pass. No, you can't I'm mad at this movie. So it's definitely regarded as a classic. Um, No, really? Well, it's it's, in black and white. It has to be. It has to be, yeah. But like I like I mentioned in an earlier episode when we were talking about Romero in, in general, he doesn't like to take credit for a lot of the things that this movie did that ma- gave it its classic status. He's very much just sort of, oh, it just, it's just how it fell into place kind of guy. I just made a movie, guys. Don't worry about it. He talks about in many interviews how the role of Ben was just written to be your average Caucasian everyman. But the actor Dwayne Jones just read for the part so well that he's like, oh, no, yeah, I'll, I'll put him in the role. He, he worked. He was the best person who auditioned. 
It just goes to show that, like, one of the best ways to fight for racial equality is to just not give a shit about the color of the person that you're hiring. He pretty much was, like, the example of that, like, the number one. Um, And the one thing, though, that he did give it is the character in the original script, his dialogue was very simple. He was supposed to be just, like, a truck driver, just, like, your normal, everyday guy. But Dwayne Jones was, like, A, he was a theater actor, B, he was a teacher, and C, he was just super well-educated. So Romero did change for the shooting script. He he upped the intelligence of the character to match actor Dwayne Jones just because so he's like philosophical debate stuff that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to deny this dude giving me sweet ass monologues in this movie. So here we go. I'm just going to let him go nuts with it. <laughs> Everyone else, though, is like I haven't in my research. I've never heard him say much about the other characters in the film. It's just sort of like they they were the they were there. Like he I mean, had a like, lot to say about Ben, but no one else really. What they, I mean, what you said happened to all those characters was very much just they were there and then they got eaten or died or something, became tropified. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, Barbara spends most of the movie just sitting on a couch. I'm not joking. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, you you introduced the movie. We got the girl so that she could be on all the posters and damsel in distress, all that stuff. That's great. But I don't really know what to do with you after that. So just, I don't know, just sit there. I mean, the movie, it's funny. It plays sort of like a, I mean, it definitely feels like a short story or like a Twilight Zone episode because you have like a group of people trapped in an area and their various beliefs and ideas are clashing with each other about how to get out of this weird, surreal, supernatural situation. And, uh, but you know, like then they all die at the end. So it didn't matter. That's great. That's how I love all of my movies to end. That's such a poignant way to end things. <laughs> and then they all just die because whatever, why even bother with liking anything? You know, you can't have nice things. But yeah, I think this movie's very interesting when you when you go all the way back to this one and compare it to modern day zombie films because well a like we were talking about a lot of tropes feel like they either originated or became popular with this movie but then a lot of stuff in this movie was largely ignored or forgotten because like modern day zombie movies and shows are like they just eat flesh and they're completely mindless and very dumb and easy to trick and that had to be a reason well yeah yeah. he made the sequels right he did he did he followed this one up with dawn of the dead which was the mall and then Day of the Dead, which is on a military base and follows a bunch of soldiers and scientists. And were those like the next versions of like there were no nobody was like, I know how to make a better zombie movie in between. Right. Yeah. He like the only other thing um, like actually, no, that that would be after as well, because Dawn of the Dead was the 70s. Day of the Dead was the early 80s. Uh, Return of the Living Dead is another franchise that in a weird way spun off of this one. And it's the return of the Living Dead movies that introduced the idea that zombies like to eat brains. So, it, I mean, I feel like this first one, they didn't let go of a lot of things. It just kind of the zombie mythos evolved because he probably didn't. I, I think I remember from the mall thing, they weren't really tool users, were they? Um, well, like they, they, the characters in that movie theorize that the reason the zombies are congregating at the mall is because it's in their base memory. It's a place they spend a lot of time at. Yeah. So you're still, you still at least have that 
there's a bit of hu- their humanity left inside. Right. But there, yeah, you're right. There was a lot less like tool usage in that second movie. So like that kind of feels like the franchise itself kind of did away with. That. Well, no, because then in the one of the subplots of the third movie, Day of the Dead, is they're trying to teach the zombies how to fight for them. And it works. Like one of the there's a character in the third movie who is a zombie, Bub. <laughs> and like they teach him how to use a gun and not eat people. Why can't they teach him how to love? I he learns in his own way, Kev. <laughs> With a gun? I mean, he shoots a bad guy with the gun, so yes. Ooh. <laughs> we should talk about that movie. That sounds fun. But yeah, that's for another episode. Back to Night of the Living Dead. It all came from this one. Like, before this movie, zombies were brainwashed, hypnotized people on in you know in Haiti or whatever. Like, this was the movie that made what we think of as zombies, people our age and stuff. Yeah. So, Kevin... I'm kind of curious in this one, because I think you, in terms of being able to stomach it, I think you would be fine with this movie. Do you think you would watch it? I think I could watch this. I don't know if I'd, like, if I had something better to do, I might not. But, like, I could watch this movie, probably. I I know that, like, depressing endings like that really bug you. Well, if I know they're coming, I'm not super bent out of shape about it, because, like... I can emotionally prepare myself for the fact that everything sucks. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think you would handle this movie just fine. It's definitely interesting to watch from a, a film fan point of view. Which Film it, fan point of view. Yeah. Well, you're an appreciator of film. <laughs> I think you would dig a lot of what happens in this movie um, and, like, just seeing how it all looks and stuff. It's super interesting to see uh, the tropes be defined here because we're so far removed from them now that we're like, we set up tropes in order to subvert expectations. We're like, you have the trope just so that you could do something other than what they would do. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie has (laughs) the asshole character who fights with everyone else, even though they would all be fine if they just worked together. And meets his own demise in, like, probably one of the more graphic and gruesome aspects of it as, like, this karmatic justice. Yeah. And, I mean, you kind of have the zombie trope of, like, they don't know that their daughter is going to turn into a zombie, but they're like, oh, she got bit, but don't, we're taking care of her. We don't need your help. Yeah. She got (laughs) bit, and we're going to ignore her until it's super inconvenient. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing, like sort of the spawn of a lot of those ideas or their proto forms as you as you could put it yeah so how did the movie do commercially well on a budget of a hundred and fourteen thousand dollars wow they made them cheap back then (laughs) they literally used uh syrup for blood like bosco chocolate syrup and they didn't have to wear well you know what that sounds like a fun day on set (laughs) yeah until you're sticky covered with that stuff uh but yeah on that less than a million dollar budget that made 30 million dollars whoa yeah in 1968 that's not too bad not too bad at all (laughs) which you gotta imagine too it like because there were horror movies at the time like 
but nothing like this. Like, oh, look at people eating each other. You know, they were used to like the blob or, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Those were the scariest movies of the time. Yeah, universal monster movies. Yeah. This was just like, oh, zombies? Oh, well, that was like Frankenstein? Oh, oh no, they're eating that person's stomach out of his face. (laughs) That's not healthy. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, even despite being a horror movie, it did really well, especially for the time period. So, uh, do you think they'll make a sequel? (laughs) Maybe. I think they might. They might have a whole franchise out of this, Kev. <laughs> well, don't get too ahead of yourself. This could really be in the makes of the works here. Yeah, well, no one's jumped on this yet, Kev. I think me and you have a chance. You think you, you want to try this whole walking around dead person thing, eating other people? Do you think people would really go for that? Oh, yeah, that's a fresh idea that no one's definitely gotten tired of yet. <laughs> we need to stop with the sarcasm, otherwise we're going to get complaints. Eh, well... <laughs> Not for me, mind you, but. All right. Well, <clears throat> besides uh, film aficionados, which you were talking about, me, uh, who do you think should watch this movie? This is a pretty, pretty broad recommendation from me, Kev. I definitely I mean, if you're a horror fan and you haven't seen one of the, you know, most classic classics that ever what is was, wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, if you're not a horror fan. I say check it out. It's an interesting look into the time period, or, or rather, it's an interesting look at a movie that bucks the trends of the time period. And I, I have a question. Yeah. How? I, I don't think I've, I really ask it that much. Uh, how gory is this? Like, how graphic? It, it can't um, be a lot, just because back then, I, I can't believe the there was be a lot of graphic you'd be surprised. So like there is a scene where a mob of zombies like like comes upon a person. I think it's the two teenagers like they didn't get like ev- you know disintegrated in the explosion of the truck. So there's a scene where the zombies are just eating guts like intestines and stuff. Fun. Yeah. Never mind. Hey guys, <laughs> if you were like are squeamish about like the death and mutilation of people, don't don't watch this movie. <laughs> Although it's in black and white, so I guess you can pretend they're newspaper characters. I mean, it does help a little bit that it's in black and white, but yeah, it does get kind of gory at parts. But I'd say it's still watchable for people, even if they do get a bit squeamish. At the very least, give it a try. It's, it's yeah, trust me, it's, it's just a, some guts, dude. It's a lot less gory than any of the ones that follow it. Trust me on that. <laughs> The, in, the, in the next one, they're like pulling out the entrails and playing jump rope with them. It's real bad. It's real bad. No, dude, no lie. In Day of the Dead, the third one from Romero, you watch a dude get l- literally torn apart on screen. Like as he's, as he's screaming. And he's... <laughs> it's 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 fucked up. Didn't some family group come together and be like, this seems unchristian. Yeah, that that hit hard in the eighties too. Like that was <laughs> in the sixties. Everyone was like, "Wow, that was a weird film." In the eighties, they're like, "It's killing our children's souls." Satanic panic. God, I'm glad I didn't have to live through that. No, this this time frame's much better. You're right. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I would rather live through this because it was just. I think I'd just be frustrated if I, if me as I am now, gets transported back to the eighties. I'd just be like, "Come on." <laughs> Smoking's bad. 
thought we knew this. No. Uh, so, Kev, is there a special demographic that you think could benefit from Night of the Living Dead? If you are prone to violence, if you want, if you're like, man, I would love to enact some violence on people. If that's if that's your bent, uh, but you also are like 85 years old or more. This is this, and like you feel like you don't know what to do next. You're like, I want to do violence. I can. I'm super old. I got this walker. This movie is a great primer. This movie will tell you what you need to do. Also, if you want to see what the Joker did before he started acting, if you're really interested in that, then this movie is a really good, like, I don't know, like character backstory. Then you can be like, oh, so this is what he was up to. So I think those two specific groups, I think, would be good. Cesar Romero is a different person. Did he make pizzas? Oh, no. He had like a spear with pizzas on them, right? No, I just, no, I'm not following <laughs> you down this rabbit hole. Because I know you can keep this going for hours. I'm just going to shuffle my way out of the situation. Oh, good. So I've still got about 30 or 40 minutes to talk to you then. So that's great. Well, I'm in, I'm planning on you trapping yourself in some easy to break into location. So, hey guys, you want to escape? You want to get killed by zombies? Just don't move for three or four days straight. Well, on that note, Kev, seeing as how the rest of the world hasn't left their homes for like a oh, year, God, we'd all be dead. <laughs> we would all be dead. Why don't we? Uh... I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we we put the very real fear into your hearts that like zombies from Romero zombies could actually kill you right now because y'all stuck. Yep. Hopefully not for much longer. Keeping you know keeping my fingers crossed. But until then, let's uh, try to avoid any zombies and remember, don't get too scared. <laughs>